I was like, have you done any deals that, like that I would have heard of? And he's like, you know, Disneyland. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, a lot of windows in Disneyland. We do all the windows in Disneyland. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh my God. Like, okay. They bought a window company, got them a Disney contract. <laughs> we do all the windows at Disney. <laughs> I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. I put my all in it like no days off. All right, what's up? We are talking about something pretty special. This episode, this is going to be different than our normal episodes, which are, you know, freewheeling, freestyling. Today, we got a plan. And the plan is we're going to talk about companies that crush it with only one or two employees. So the reason we thought about this was there was some news, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, that a company that I had never heard of called Wargraphs sold for $54 million. And the yeah, that's, I mean, that's obviously impressive, but the most impressive part was that Wargraph was just one dude. So one guy sold his company for $54 million. And I don't know, do you know what Wargrass did? Are you no. familiar with it? Is it a, a gaming thing? It's a gaming thing, yeah. So he built basically a companion app, I think, for uh, League of Legends. So if you play League of Legends, this was like a thing that would keep track of your stats and stuff like that, help you get better at the game. So he built this little companion app, and it had gotten really popular. I think he got into like a million players that used it and was generating serious revenue. And so he sold it for 54, $54 million in cash, and he was up front. He was like, I got half of the... Sorry, I got half of the $54 million in cash up front, and I have the other half as like my earnout that I have to, you know, like, you know, if it hits, you know, our milestones along the way, which is just super impressive for a one person company. And how old is the person? I think he started when he was young, but now it's been like, you know, seven or eight years. So, you know, he's probably, Dude, that's amazing. Um, I'm going to guess something like 30. But the, the, it got me thinking. It was like everybody talks about big businesses for good reason. Big businesses are awesome. There they are. But what about mighty businesses? What about the, the, the guys who are punching above their weight? So somebody who has just themselves or just one or two people that does millions in revenue profitably flies under the radar. And like, how many other war graphs are there out there? So we did some research and we found some. And so that's what this episode is going to be about. And we've kind of touched on this before. We've done some of our most popular episodes. If you go on YouTube, you'll see the episode with Peter Levels, I think has couple hundred thousand listens. The episode about Amit Agarwal, the guy who builds G Suite, you know, basically like Google Sheets plugins. He does millions of dollars in revenue as just kind of one guy who is a blogger turned app builder. And so those have been some of our most popular episodes. So I think this is going to be a good one too. Sam, anything else before we jump in? Yeah, I want to give an honorable mention to this one person. Have you listened to Juvenile growing up. Remember rapper, <laughs> the rapper Juvenile? Of course. You're giving him a shout out like he's listening? <laughs> yeah. I Like last year, NPR, they do this thing called the Tiny Desk Concert Series. You know what that is? It's like they're in the office like playing acoustic songs. Yeah, those are cool. They said, who should we have? And this one guy goes, you should have Juvenile. And Juvenile <laughs> replies and he goes, WTF, what, what the F is a Tiny Desk? And hell no. And... <laughs> You know what? They got him to do it anyway. It happened this weekend. <laughs> and so in preparation for this one-man band show, I've been listening to that Juvenile concert <laughs> at the Tiny Desk NPR series. It was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> he, he, you remember back that ass up and yeah, slow motion for me and all that? <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. I had to be inspired. Him and Manny Fresh did it. And it was awesome. It was awesome, awesome, awesome. So 
Honorable. All right, so these are the tiny. These are the tiny desk awards. Then let's call it that. These are the tiny desk awards, which are the the, the businesses that can be run off of one tiny desk because it's just one or two people. All right, we're gonna do this like an award show. So we have a long list, but that'd be kind of boring. So we're we broke it up into categories, and we each have our answer for the category. So for example, first category is gonna be biggest one-person business. But we also have to set some rules here. Yes. Some of these things, one person, it's a bit vague. Yeah. One person oftentimes can mean like the founder and like a team of contractors, or in many cases, it's going to be agencies that they work with. Of course. Or it started as one person and it was that way for a long time and then they hired a team. Exactly. So, so it's more of the spirit of the law than the, than the letter of the law here. So, you know, they don't have t-shirts for the company because you know there's they don't have a bunch of employees and and uh, you know morale they they probably won't have a an office which where a bunch of people go into it's either one or two people who are kind of the core drivers and maybe they use some contractors or vendors or agencies for for other things but that's that's generally the the way we're looking at this yeah let's get into it so what's the first one the biggest is it the uh, the biggest so you go first so I'm going to do one, another gaming one that, that I doubt you know of. Do you know what Stardew Valley is? No, what is that? So Stardew Valley is this game. And if you look at the game, the game art looks like it's like 8-bit art. Almost it looks like a very, very simplistic game. And it was made by one guy, this guy, Eric Barone. And he basically is like, you know, I'm. he gets out of school. He doesn't want to get a job. So he's like, well, I, you know, I'm going to teach myself how to code instead of going to get a job. So he's like, why don't I learn how to build a game in order to teach myself how to code? Like, I don't want to just code for coding's sake. I'll try to do something with it. So he spends basically four years in solitude just building this game by himself before he releases it. For four what years. What was his job? Did he that? have a job? He just, he just he lived off his girlfriend. His girlfriend had a like a, a grad degree stipend and he had a part-time job as an usher. <laughs> God damn. Which is amazing. So, anyways, the he, he launches this thing. Stardew Valley has sold 20 million copies. It sells for $13 a pop. And so, you know, he sold this thing. I think over time it has done 150 million in sales wow. or revenue. And he's the only guy who built it just by himself, which is honestly not that uncommon. Minecraft was largely built the same way. There's this guy, Notch, who was the developer behind Minecraft. And if you've ever seen it, he'll get on Twitch and he'll just code Minecraft. Like he'll just stream himself for like 12 hours just building the game. And like, I think Minecraft had more people overall, but like one guy was really the driving force and the driving energy around it for many, many years. But Stardew Valley is my pick for, for biggest, 150 million off of one, one game dev. The guy Notch, when he sold, I think he sold for like multiple billions, yeah, right? Yeah, three billion, two billion, something like that. And he, I think he bought like an, like he outbid Beyonce for like an $80 million mansion in <laughs> LA. And he was tweeting out or sharing how everyone hates him now. He was like, I'm so lonely. This sucks. But he's still in this like fancy $80 million mansion. Do you remember that whole like ordeal where he was talking about how he like didn't give equity to people? And so some of the people who he hired hated him and, he was lonely, but he and he was having all these huge parties, and he was lost and all that stuff. Do you remember all that? <laughs> no, I, I missed all of that, <laughs> dude. He like went through this whole spiel on on Twitter about how like he hates his life. But oh wow, you know, I mean, this whatever. house is. I'm looking at this house. This house is insane. Was it eighty million? Seventy million. Yeah, it was like a. It was a fat. I remember like he. You, it, I, like, I would love to just see Beyonce getting the news. 
it's like, oh, who who did it? Who outbid me? Was it was it Spielberg? Who was it? Oh no, it must have been Lenny Kravitz. Who who was it? Who who outbid me on this? It's like, nah, it's Notch. <laughs> yeah, got him. <laughs> got him. <laughs> um, all right, mine is uh, Streamyard. So Streamyard, I have to remember when they launched, but I think they launched in 2019, right before the pandemic hit. And it was basically a it was a way to stream events online and stream interviews and things like that online. These two guys scaled it to thirty million dollars in revenue in one year or eighteen months or so. And this mostly happened because of the pandemic. They ended up selling it to Hopin for two hundred fifty million dollars. It was a mix of cash and stock. And Hopin ended up laying up off a bunch of people like last year. But I've heard rumors that it's killing it. Have you heard these rumors? Hopin? Yeah. No, no, I have not heard. I've heard the opposite of those rumors, but I don't know. What have you heard? Well, just like when the layoffs happened and it was like basically post-COVID, events came back online, like in person. So that's naturally going to hurt the business. Then they had massive layoffs. And I heard that the the founders have taken a ton of secondary or something like that. So I heard like 100 million plus in secondary. Yeah, but maybe the business doing well. I have no idea. I just heard kind of like the generally though, when you hear those three things, it's like massive layoffs, you know, market, you know, the the, the crazy event that was driving your growth has stopped. And the founders took, and people start talking about how much secondary the founders took. It's usually because the business is going in the wrong direction. You, usually, people don't bitch about secondaries when the thing is exploding. I don't know. I I heard the other way. I I also thought that, and I heard the other way around. We talked about Streamyard like right when they were getting going, and then we talked about them again when they were acquired. Did you say you knew these guys? I think I had met because back when I was doing video streaming, I met like kind of everyone in this space. I I, I don't know. I got to look up who these guys are, but I do know that they got to fourteen million in ARR when it was just the two of them. And then it got to 30 million when they had, by that time they had hired up a team. So this is kind of like a hybrid. They got, they got really far with just a couple of people and then they hired up, you know, from, from as, as they scaled it before they sold. And I remember going to their website when it was just them and I, there was like the founder and he was, he was on the, he was on the homepage and he was giving like a tutorial video on how to use the product. And it was just him like with this camera on his lap practically and he looked exhausted. He looked so worn out. I remember this during the pandemic when we were thinking about using them for something. And he looked like super haggard. But it was very impressive that these two guys have built this to sell for $250 million. And I, although it was cash and stock, so I don't know if the stock is worth anything. I heard it might be. So that might be one of the biggest ones that I've heard of, at least recent big ones. Another big one that it, it happened a long time ago, so I have no connection. It was Plenty of Fish. How much did Plenty of Fish get acquired for? Like $550 million, I think. Yes, hundreds, yeah. And uh, that was started by one guy named Marcus, who now I see online, and he seems like he like lives the most lavish life and just does crazy shit. And so <laughs> Plenty of Fish was basically one of the early dating websites. It was a marketplace. It was oh, like OkCupid, but I think it was predominantly Canadian. And that had to be probably the biggest exit that I've ever heard of for a really small, small team. Yeah, Plenty of Fish was unbelievable. That guy... Isn't he like a nut, the Plenty of Fish founder? I feel like that's a whole another story we should do one day. I think it's a whole another. I think I don't know. I haven't researched it enough to actually like verify the claims, but I've heard like a little like grumblings, like a little little stories that something weird is going on, but I don't know the truth. <laughs> also, I love the fact that you met the Streamyard guys and they looked haggard, and you're like, it's like in Silicon Valley when you see somebody like that, you put your arm around them and you're like, hey, you all right? Is it? Is it because of too much traction or not enough? I just need to know how I'm going to treat you. It was too from, much. Yeah. Oh, it's too much traction. Okay. 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 Come here. Come here. You sleep on my couch. Let me feed you. Just take this check. Put me on your cap table. You know, like there's there's really you know one out of ten of the haggard people 
they're getting beat down by too much demand and nine out of ten. Who have you met like that? (laughs) Who have you met like that? Who else have you met where you're just I remember talking to a guy who this guy Abder. Met a guy Abder. And he was doing something pretty I met him after the fact, but he told me the story. And it I always it always stuck with me. And I always remember here after hearing the story, I was like, I should look for that. So what happened was Twitter started taking off in popularity right when it kind of got going in Silicon Valley. Like it became like a thing. And Abner was him and his team, or they're like kind of like data science type people. And so they were like, all right, what can we build that makes Twitter work better? Because Twitter was such a simplistic product. And at the time, it was like almost like a protocol. Like anyone can kind of build apps on top of it or use the data for something. So he's trying to build something and he doesn't know what he's doing. He's like, he's sitting on a train and he starts coding this thing. He's like, oh, I had done this research on sentiment analysis. And he's like, I was like, okay, see, so, you know, well, this story sounds a little bit boring. Who cares about sentiment analysis? He's like, yeah, you could, he's like, you could figure out like how people are feeling about a certain topic because they're talking about it in a certain way. So he's like, did so you I'm, tell him his story was boring right when he got well, going? Well, my, you know, my chin, <laughs> the chin started to drift. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, is there anyone else in this car I could talk to? I was in a car with him in Ethiopia, you know, for four hours straight. I, there's nowhere to run. So I'm, I'm hearing, uh, I'm like, all right, let me hear out the story. Sentiment out. Yeah, go ahead. Tell me more about your, PhD in sentiment analysis. What did this do? And he's like, <laughs> so I was on a train and I'm building this thing. I'm trying to analyze what people are saying on Twitter to see if I could get the sentiment, the current mood or whatever. He's like, but then I realized actually what I'll do is I'll, instead of figure out their mood, I'll just figure out what are they talking about a lot of like a lot more than usual. That's kind of interesting. And he basically created trending for Twitter off of Twitter. Oh, cool. So he he's like, he's like, oh, I could figure out that the word Olympics normally is only said this much, but it's being said 10 standard standard deviations more. So that means Olympics is trending. That that it's it's above its par. And he's like, this is super cool. Like I basically have the 10 things that people are talking about on Twitter. I can kind of get that I get that signal in a way that you couldn't really get at the time on Twitter. And so he creates this and they create a separate website off of Twitter called Twitter trending. I forgot what it, what it was called. It's own website. And they start getting millions of hits on this thing. And they're just trying to, and as, and he's trying to keep it, keep it up because he's basically drinking from the Twitter fire hose and he's got all this traffic. And so he's trying to keep both of them working. Eventually Twitter buys them. So they become like employees 10 through 20 or something of Twitter. Oh, sick. And at the time Twitter had the fail whale. It was just like constantly Twitter, the service was going down. It was, had so much usage. And it was like in this web 2.0, it, was like, it wasn't like scalable yet. They hadn't figured out how to scale it. And he's, he told me, he's like, he's like, for six months, he's like, I just woke up every day with like an imprint of my keyboard on my forehead. Like I had just passed out. I was working, trying to keep this damn site up, pass out, wake up. Oh, where was I? And I just kept going. He's like, that was six months straight of my life. He's like, I've never experienced anything like it. And at the time I remember thinking, oh, there's levels to this thing. Like, that's what it feels like when you really have one of the winners. Like, and, and if you talk to people early at Facebook and they talk about like what the, what, what it was like working early at Facebook, Facebook, it's like when people talk about living in New York, they're like, just the energy was, it's just, the energy. you can't explain it. <laughs> and it's like, that's how, that's what you get when you're inside one of these generational companies at the early stage when they're, they're scaling too fast. Dude, that's exciting. I love that one. I like hearing those old stories like that. I always read those old books, like the, the Hatching Twitter and all that shit. I love that shit. Yeah, me too. All right, next let's category. Go to di- let's, wait, let's go to a highest degree of difficulty. We'll skip a category and come back to it. Okay, so this is the hardest one, hardest example, the one that we're like, how the hell did you even do that? And there's no way anyone else would have done this. You go first. 
All right, I have one. It's called Tiny Wow. So I think the URL is just tinywow.com. So do you have that pulled up, Tiny Wow? Yeah, got it. All right, so I met this guy. He's a member of Hampton. That's why I met him. His name's Evan Gower. He had a, a another website called Tech Junkie. Maybe you heard of Tech Junkie, but they like just talked about like tech topics, whatever. It's a pretty normal website, but he ended up selling it for eight figures. And on the side, he started this thing called Tiny Wow, which is a bunch of tools that include like how to convert a PDF, but then image editing tools that use AI. And it's one of those websites where you Google like convert this file to PDF. It is able to. He's able to come up first. Right now, it has six point six million visits a month, and insane. the reason it's in. Yeah, it's insane. The reason it's interesting is right now it only does twenty thousand a month in revenue because he says I haven't I just haven't turned on any of the monetization. It just has like little ads. He goes, I'm gonna turn it on eventually. But right now I'm just enjoying the summer and time with my family. So I haven't really like <laughs> dug deep and like built it. And so basically this guy, Evan, he was Bitch, a, you're talking a, a, about the weather? Put on AdSense. What are you doing? <laughs> Evan, this is insane. <laughs> Dude, that's the cool part about these one-person businesses. And this is the, another guy who I'm going to tell a story about has said the same thing. He goes, I felt like taking the summer off. So I just let, <laughs> let it ride for a little while. So this guy, Evan, he basically had a history as a, a, a developer. He says he doesn't do any development now. But he has a team of three people who are helping him or one contractor who helps him with overseas, who's helped him actually like build and implement. And he basically just draws it and designs it. But the reason why this thing has taken off is if you Google... or Do you remember... Like, do you ever see those videos on TikTok that say, like, here's five websites that should be illegal but aren't? Yeah. So good that they should be illegal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what it's like line. a shtick. <laughs> so that is basically how it, the the website got popular. Is it's gotten popular from those videos, and so the reason why this is really hard to create because a getting traffic to a, a, a like a content site or any type of website like this, it's very challenging. Oftentimes, building the product is not the hard part; it's getting users. And getting 6.6 million visits a month, mostly from social, quite challenging. We'll see if he's able to turn this. But I asked him, I was like, how big can this get? And he's like, well, like I think of like Canva. So I'm like, can we... I think it can make tens of millions of dollars a year in revenue because we're going to ultimately... We have this traffic. We can have like a feature that says, hey, you can edit this picture using our platform and we'll charge a small fee. I think this actually could be a big business. But right now, it's really tiny. He told me it costs $10,000 a month to run. And it's making $20,000 a month in revenue. Wow. Yeah. Do you know how much remove.bg makes? Who? Do you ever use remove.bg? No. What is that? Oh, that's... I mean, that, is the, that was the old way. It's like, if you need to remove a background from an image, like you need to just cut out the object and remove the background. Remove.bg was this Shit. website that was like... just the Look go the traffic. Yeah, it was just a go-to and, oh my God, 50 to 60 million in monthly monthly visits. So it's just like insane. And remove.bg, it just had a stranglehold for me, at least, on on doing this. It was like super quick. You just drag your image in, it just removes the background, boom, there you go. And then they charge for like, you know, you want it like 1080p or whatever. They started charging for like little things like remove this watermark. I'm sure this thing crushes, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how how much revenue they do now, but... I'm sure this is one of these like mighty businesses where it's a very small team. Uh, here so we I just go. Googled it. Canva acquired it says them. It, Canva acquired them. It says that they had at least 100 million people coming to their website last year. That's a cr that's crazy. So it was acquired by Canva. So you can probably... I don't know if Canva has gone public yet. Maybe they have... I think actually they just did a, last month. You might be able to dig through their numbers and see if they got acquired and for how much. But that's crazy. That's so much traffic. This site, Tiny Wild, definitely could be something like that. They started this in 2019. It's this company called Kaleido. 
And then they, so they started in 2019. They sold it. This was 2021. So two years later for roughly $100 million. Wow. Do they have funding? I think the parent company, it looks like it's a side project of the parent company. The reason why I said these are the hardest to make is getting that scale of traffic that fast is so challenging. You know, like there's a lot of like software products that we're going to name as one person companies. And that's challenging in the sense of like you have to put it in a ton of hours and you actually have to like invent stuff. And that's very challenging. But getting traffic to me is more of an intellectual challenge where it's like, I have no idea like where to start. Like, whereas with starting with software, it's like, I, I'm going to make this one feature, then I'll do this other feature. I'll talk to my users. It's a little bit, involves a little bit of luck, a little bit of skill, but right. getting a lot of traffic to your website early on, I think there's less people that know how to do that. And so that's why I think that this is one of the harder things to start. So here's my, my answer for highest degree of difficulty, photo P. So photo P is very, very similar. Basically, it's one guy who recreated the entirety of Photoshop in a web browser for free. So oh my God. Like, Photoshop is one of the most complicated products in the world. He recreated it by himself, gives it away for free, and made it work in the browser, which Photoshop doesn't. Photoshop is, a, you, know, you have to download the app in order to make it work. It's just remarkable. The guy barely monetizes it, doesn't want to sell it. And if you go just search his like, just search Photopea Reddit or like, you know, founder Reddit, he goes and he talks about like, you know, why he built it, how he built it and what, you know, how he thinks about it or whatever. It's pretty insane. And I think it's how much traffic does it get? Traffic wise, like 13 million, according to SimilarWeb per month. And he does at the time, this was a couple of years ago, he said that he was doing 100,000 a month off this thing. And it was like literally from the most basic, absolute most basic of like ads. Like this is one guy, Ivan, who made it. And he just like puts like the very simple banner ad on the site and makes like $100,000 a month. He did a post in Hacker News on April 11th, 2021. He goes, Hey guys, I'm Ivan. I'm the creator of Photopea. I made almost a million dollars in the last 12 months, 90% from ads. The rest is from premium which is users who pay to hide ads. So it's not even much of a premium. <laughs> when you start your own project, you never know if it'll make $250,000. But if you get hired, you can be quite sure that you will never make more than $250,000. And so that's why I started it. And so this company, Photopea, I don't know how big it is, but depending on how many users it has, I could see this getting sold for nine figures, over $100 million. So um, he did an AMA on Reddit and they said, Hey, have you hired your first employee yet? This was a year ago. And he says, oh, after I did my first AMA on Reddit, lots of great people got in touch. I did end up hiring one guy from Prague who went to my university, but it'll take some time for him to get familiar with the code. He hasn't done it. He hasn't, like, hasn't done anything yet. <laughs> it's pretty crazy how this guy operates. So why do you think this is the most challenging? Just like technically recreating Photoshop feature for feature is absolutely insane. Like, I think that's just an insane endeavor. And then making it work in the browser, like making it performant in a browser is not easy either. So like for one person to do this, I think it's crazy. That's insane. Yeah. I The, the cool thing about these, like one, I think the, the downside of these one person companies is that everything relies on you and that you don't have like anyone else to ask for help and you can't hire anyone. You can't have anyone better than you doing something because you're the only person. And so in order to do this, I think a lot of these people, they have a, they have a handful of traits that we'll talk about in the end. But I don't understand how he could grind that hard for that long with all this pressure on him. By the way, this guy says he put 7,000 hours into it before he made any money from it. 
That's insane. So <laughs> I think that 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 just takes so much will. Do you remember Viral Nova? It was a guy yeah. named Scott DeLong. So Viral Nova was basically an upworthy clone. It was a. It says like they're like here's a list of ten reasons why you don't want to go swimming after eating. You're not going to believe number seven. And so this guy would talk about like how it was just him writing ten articles a day, and he was like, I'm the pressure of all this traffic and all of the success, it's killing me. I feel so worn out all the time. And I don't understand how some people can sustain that for a really long time, like this photo P guy. Yeah, this is like, you know, when you go to someone's house and they're like, oh, do you want to see my model train set I'm building? You're like, what? Yeah, sure, why not? I'm here. And they take you down to the basement and then it's just like, They've recreated like the city of Vienna through their like, and they're just tinkering on this like one thing. You're like, uh, how many hours? How long have you been doing this? And they're like, oh, I just come here every night. I love it. And this is what I do. It makes me feel so good. And you're like, holy shit, this is like <laughs> the most intense hobby. That's how, that's how I I'm feel. Not that, I'm not that type of person. Are you? Uh, you're uh, definitely dude, not, no. I think, right? <laughs> come on. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I envy those people. That, that's an amazing willpower. All right, that was a snippet from the podcast, My First Million. If you like what you heard, search for My First Million on Apple, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you're using right now.